As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football League show back for 2022 and hoping it won't be the year of the postponement. There's good news for West Brom as Ismail gets the OK to bring in DK. Rooney's Rams might just do the unthinkable. GMAC gets a crack at the Doncaster job. And we dish out some New Year's resolutions. In association with Paddy Power, this is the Totally Football League Show. Welcome along then, listener, to 2022 in the wonderful world of the English Football League. Early themes for the year include postponements and rancour. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, back with three of my favourite Football League folk. Adrian Clark's here. Hello. Sam Parkins back with us too. Uh, Happy New Year, Matthew. Happy New Year to you as well. And Michelle Owen joins us as well. Hi, Michelle. Hello, Matt. Uh, Let's kick off then by discussing who had a good and who had a not-so-good festive period EFL-wise. Adrian, let's take your good, please. Oh, quite a few had had good Christmas periods for for those teams that actually played. But I'd like to pick out Shrewsbury, actually, who've had a really, really difficult season. But but they went went to Fleetwood and won 3-0. Terrific away day performance with the front two on fire. Josh Vela also scored a cracker in that one. They drew 0-0 with Accrington, which is in form Accrington. You can sort of preface them with that at the moment. So that's another clean sheet. And, and, and to round things off, they beat Sheffield Wednesday 1-0 at home. And by all accounts, the atmosphere inside the stadium was was one of the best it's been since they moved uh, to the new meadow. And um, yeah, it was, it was a terrific performance. Real, real front foot, second half defensive rear guard. So yeah, lots to like, I think, about Shrewsbury at the moment. They, they definitely head into 2022 feeling quite optimistic I'd imagine that they might be able to escape relegation which which looked kind of nailed on a few months back so yeah well done Shrewsbury. Michelle who done good for you? Derby three wins in a row over the festive period and then yesterday when it looked like they might have been a potential 13 points from safety they got two goals in in five minutes I think it was the 86th and 91st minute against Reading which made it four unbeaten over a very busy festive period. Wayne Rooney was missing yesterday. And I don't know, I just got a feeling that maybe Derby can do something special. I think I said on this podcast a few weeks ago that if they stay up, it's it's arguably as bigger or if not bigger achievement than Leicester winning the Premier League. Um, 
I don't know. I think I think they could do something special, and I think they had a great Christmas. Wow, that is a big shout, um, Sam. Who's your good, please? I've gone for Huddersfield. I think um, arguably got the potential to be one of the stories of the season. Similarities to maybe Barnsley of last season. Not sure I can see them maintaining it, but considering where we would have had them in in the summer, this is incredible to be sixth position, um, unbeaten in the last six, uh, held Blackburn to a goalless draw, the form team in the division. Probably, you know, that said on par with with Blackburn in terms of overachieving right now. So yeah, brilliant few weeks for them. One at Forest, one at Bristol City, defensively looking fantastic. And a load of signings that we probably questioned, thinking, can they play? I'm not sure, sure it's sure it's overly sophisticated style that core brands um, implemented, but signings that we definitely questioned, and all of them to a man have have come good so far. Clarky, you're uh, you're very much focusing on League One for this particular section of the show, and that's where we find your bad festive. Yeah, it's got to be Sheffield Wednesday, hasn't it? I mean, that's a stinker of a Christmas from their point of view. Lost 5-0 against Sunderland. Embarrassing, isn't it, to, for a club that size to to get spanked by five in League One, even though it's against a really good good Sunderland team. And then and then you're looking for a reaction and you don't get one at Shrewsbury, aforementioned Shrewsbury, where you, where you get beat by a goal to nil. To compound things and maybe to give Darren Moore and the players a little bit of a get out, they've got loads of injuries, particularly at the back. And in both games, they lost a defender. They lost Dunkley in the first half at Sunderland to injury. They lost Patterson at Shrewsbury. So it's not just the results that mean it's been a miserable Christmas for the Owls, but it's also the loss of even more players to to, to injuries and knocks. So, yeah, re- real, real bad festive period for them, who they'd been on a good unbeaten run, put themselves right back into the playoff mix, and now all of a sudden... They've got work to do. It's about bouncing back. It's by no means a given they'll be in that top six. Uh, Michelle, not too far away geographically for your pick for the bad, but pretty far away geographically from your house. Yeah, the bad, I think, for even more so probably for the Blackburn travelling fans. It was a couple of hours for them. But even if there were some Hull fans back home for Christmas, they missed out on that Boxing Day game. I think that was the bad point of Christmas for me personally as well. That Hull was called off at, what, about one o'clock with kickoff at three o'clock on Boxing Day for their game against Blackburn. Tricky times at the moment with COVID, obviously, and trying to keep games on. But yeah, that was a bit of a sucker punch for anyone that pulled up to Hull City at that moment after driving four hours and finding it was off. But, you know, hopefully we're going to see a bit less of this when this sort of wave of COVID hopefully dissipates. But that was a sucker. But also I mentioned for Reading, who didn't really play over Christmas, um, which I think might affect them longer term into the season, which means they're going to have the games in hand, but not the points. I'm sure they'd rather the points. And you could tell they hadn't played for a long time yesterday when they conceded those two goals. Right at the end. So two little shouts there. Yeah, games in hand are always good. But when you have to play those games in a ridiculously short space of time, not so much. See Rotherham last season. Um, Sam, your bad selection comes from the Championship. Yeah, I'm I'm going Stoke. uh, Two home defeats. But uh, following on from Clarkey, injuries to, to Stoke as well. To Powell, Fletcher, Thompson, Sawyers. Obviously, Suter got that ACL prior to Christmas. So decimated by injuries to important players, saw them against QPR. They were amazing. Completely boss midfield. Sawyer's um, was very good. 
front two excellent and if they had had Fletcher and, and Campbell to fire them towards um, the end of the season, I'm sure they could be really optimistic. But they're, they're becoming the, the di- most difficult team to critique, I would say, Stoke. They're so inconsistent. Just when you think Michael O'Neill's got them really going, they're uh, playoff certainties, they blow up and lose a few games. So they're a bit of a head scratcher, but definitely uh, a disappointing couple of weeks. Uh, while we're talking bad stuff, how about all these postponements? Michelle mentioned them, 13 of them since the turn of the year. Uh, the EFL, who've struggled to get a hand on this over the last few weeks, I think it would be polite to say, uh, have decided that not testing players for COVID on match days is the way to fend off more call-offs. Um, Clarky, I can see that, that that might mean that games go on, but it doesn't sound particularly safe. Do well, you that? can't get a Match positive. days are the most important time to test. Yeah, well, you can't get a positive, can you, if you, if you don't test on the match day? So it's a it's a winner, isn't it? I, I get it in light of what happened at Hull, actually, because you don't want you know fans travelling the length of the country only to find out when they get there that the game is off. I I, th- I think the parameters. I'd like to see the parameters change. What have injuries got to do with it? That's what I would ask. What's you don't call games off when when there are ten players on the treatment table, do you? It's they shouldn't they shouldn't count towards this. That's not the exceptional circumstance. What I think they should do is have a, a fixed percentage of first team players that have been used this season. If say thirty percent of first team players you've used this season are out with COVID, you get to call the game off. That's it. You wouldn't get half these call-offs. You really wouldn't. Too many of them have been mega convenient for for clubs that are really stretched. And yeah, I would question the integrity of of some of these postponements. Obviously, there's no proof, there's no evidence of that. That's part of the issue, isn't it? You can't can't check injuries, um, but you can have it in black and white that a player's failed a a COVID test. So yeah, I, I think it just, I would like to see it changed. Yeah, show us your lateral flows. All right, well, we'll see how many games actually take place over the next few weeks. We're going to head to the Championship after this brief interlude. Hey, why is it called Boxing Day? Nine Premier League games on. It should be called Football Day. Yeah, that old leftover turkey sandwich day. What? You definitely ate more than nine of them last year. Yeah. It's a feast for football fans on December the 26th, and Paddy Power's got a knockout offer just for Boxing Day. It's a completely free £5 bet builder to use on any of the nine Premier League matches on Boxing Day. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet, but a bet only. Min 2 plus legs, max 1 free £5 bet per customer. Must have previously deposited to avail. T's and C's apply. 18 plus being gambled away. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. In the Championship while we were away, Bournemouth became the new leaders, Blackburn a second. The pair have played twice more than third Fulham, whose last three games have been postponed. Derby now 11 points from safety, as Michelle mentioned. More on their most recent fight back shortly. And more from Wayne Rooney on his plans for the greatest of escapes over on The Athletic, where he's been speaking to a plucky new journalist named A. Shearer. And Nathan Jones has inked a bumper new deal at Kenilworth Road. He signed on until 2027 with Luton. Now then, the advent calendars might be in the bin, but if you like open windows, there's good news because the one marked transfer has been unlatched. Uh, some early moves that we'll talk through include Daryl DK to West Brom, over seven million quid, reunited with Valerian Ismail. Uh, Sam, it's a, it's a great get for them, but it increases the pressure on Ismail, doesn't it? 
Yeah, and it, it, incredible pressure on DK coming in as well. Because <laughs> yeah. I think we all know that he is the missing piece of this jigsaw because we've said it every week on this podcast. Um, they've been desperate for someone of that ilk. Uh, and he comes in now when they're really struggling to, well, they get into good positions, but to convert chances. So, so yeah, absolutely. He rolled the dice a little bit. I know we'll come on to the game by um, uh, introducing a couple of younger players and didn't really um, turn their fortunes around. So this is a big moment for West Brom. But having seen loads of him in MLS and and also at Barnsley, he's perfect for what they're trying to do. So um, this this could get them closer to, to Fulham and Bournemouth from where they want to be. Arrives banging form as well, doesn't he, Michelle? Five in his last five for Orlando. But I mean, the quality of the Nashville defence, maybe not quite the same as some of the teams that will be coming up against in the Championship. Yeah, you need my stat. I've been looking at his MLS stats, um, which are surprisingly hard to find on the internet. But yeah, five in his last five. But when he played for Barnsley, he fitted Ishmael's system so well and hit the ground running fair, fairly quickly. I remember, I think I, I, I did a game where maybe they were playing QPR and um, everyone was calling him Daryl Dyke because that is literally how it's spelled. And then, then we started saying Daryl DK, which was obviously correct. But I'd never heard of him before he came across. And I wondered after that, would he do something similar this year? Would it be a loan move? Would Ishmael get him back? Because he, he loves the way he plays. He fitted his system perfectly at Barnsley. Um, but yeah, look, six to seven million pounds is quite a big, big price tag. I think it's a four and a half year deal. So he has to hit the ground running. His first game um, will be probably the 15th of January now, won't it? Because of, because of the FA Cup, I'd imagine. So he'll probably give him a bit of time to get up to speed. But... If you look at what Bournemouth have, what Blackburn have, what Fulham have uh, in their goal scorers, then West Brom are crying out for this. You see the players' body language. Gary Monk was talking about this yesterday. When, when with respect, you know, Jordan Hugel comes on, do they lift their game? Do they get excited? Will Daryl DK make them do that as teammates? I think that's that's what's going to have to happen. And he's going to have to bang at least double figures um, to, to prove his worth and really, to take the pressure off Valerian Ishmael. Because if this doesn't work, then I'm not sure if it works at West Brom. He is only 21. And I think I think that fee is cheap. I really do. Because if he does half decent for West Brom and Jalbin, which you'd expect him to, working with the manager in a style of play that absolutely suits him, then they could turn that, that figure of six or seven million into 16... Just like that, in my opinion, or 20 plus, because he's he's quite a unique front man, isn't he? He's a bit Drogba-esque. It'll, it'll be horrible to play against. So I think as a piece of business, it looks really good. But I definitely get I get the uh, issues over the pressure on, on that young player and on the, the manager as well. Uh, Clarky, while you're there, would you like to dump all over my hopes and dreams, Forest-wise? <laughs> Jed Spence is staying, Steve Cook's on the way, and Keenan Davis, who doesn't really score any goals, is also coming on low. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's good. Overall, it's it's pleasing, isn't it? You needed another forward. I'm not sold on Keenan Davis as someone that's going to change your season for the better, but but let's give him a chance. Jed Spence staying's got to be good news. And Steve Cook coming in. Is great, I think. If they've fought off competition from Sam's beloved hoops to get him, that's quite that, that's good work, isn't it? From from Steve Cooper and, and Dane Murphy. So yeah, well done. And as well as being a good centre half, and I don't really think Forrest are desperate for a centre half, but you know it, it helps. 
I think he's a good character. We had him on the show, didn't we? And I really liked him. I thought he was he was a, he was a good lad. And by all accounts, he's really sort of positive influence in the dressing room. He's got promotions on, on his CV as well. So I think behind the scenes, he could have as much of an impact as he actually does on the field for Forest. So I think bravo, well done, well done to them. Yeah, that experience is key, I think, because Joe Worrell and Scott McKenna both. 25 and under and Tobias Figueredo out of contract at the end of the summer and he's been a bit rapey this season anyway. Uh, Sam, Ethan Laird has switched loan homes from Swansea to Bournemouth so he'll still be by the beach but a bit higher up the table. As much as it's a good get for Bournemouth, it's a bad loss for Swansea, isn't it? He played in all but two of their league games. Karma, I think of, when um, Swansea nicked Conor Gallagher off Charlton. (laughs) Um, Same time of year, two years ago. So, um, yeah, he's been brilliant. He was great at MK and obviously at Swansea. I think they needed him. I remember Clarkey speaking about, you know, the way they want to play now, Swansea. Having that thrust is really important. So he's been an excellent loanee. And I think, you know, watching a bit of Bournemouth, I think Jack Stacey's had a bit of an up and down season. So competition in, in that position. We've had um, obviously the athleticism, the quality of Zemura on the other side, which has been a revelation along with Anthony. So if they can get that down the right, blimey, that's um, something for opposition players and uh, staff to be to be wary of if they've got real threats in both fullback positions. So yeah, I mean, he'd walk into any championship side in my mind and that uh, gives Bournemouth a huge boost, boost. Sorry, We'll have plenty more transfer tittle-tattle over the next month, but there's been action on the pitch already in 2022, albeit not as much as there should have been. We'll take a look back at some of the games that have taken place and start in Berkshire, where Derby scored twice late on to rescue a point in a Desmond, RIP, against Reading. Uh, friend of the show, Curtis Davis, with the stoppage time level of there. Burn. It's an inviting ball over. Um, Michelle, you you were on this game for Sky. Two really horrible goals for for Reading to concede to give up two points. Um, I don't know. Curtis Davis's header was pretty impressive, to be fair. You know, it was a. I don't know what he was doing up there, <laughs> but it was the ninety first minute, and uh, it was a brilliant ball in. I think it was Nathan Byrne put the ball in, and well, you can question the defending or you can admire the header. And yeah, before that, for Colin Kazim Richards. <laughs> Just felt like maybe something was coming because Luke Southwood, he just looked a little bit wobbly. He'd made a great save from Tom Lawrence a little bit earlier in, in the half. And straight after that, Junior Hoyt had got Reading second. And you think that is one of those pivotal moments in the game where it could have been one all, but it's now 2-0. I think it was like a minute and, and 34 seconds between the chance and Reading doubling their lead. The boys in the studio said, and Clark and, and Sam will know, that 2-1 is so horrible compared to 2-0, obviously. And so you start sitting deeper. You know, Valka Panovic probably wasn't telling Reading to do that. They sit back. Curtis Davis is there and scores a brilliant header. And you can see what it meant to him when he celebrated after. You know, you don't, you know, you, you guys know Curtis a little bit and I've spent a little bit of time with him, done a bit of punditry with him. And he's a calm guy, you know, but to see him show that passion, it's on his Instagram if you haven't seen it, like almost ripping his shirt off in celebration because that point was so key for Derby not to get cut off. Again, because they've been making up this ground on who's above them and Reading are one of those teams they've got to catch. So for the gap to be 11 points and not 13 at the end of yesterday was absolutely huge. And 
it, it could have been best case scenario. The gap could have been eight points. Okay, they would have obviously preferred that. But to come back from 2-0 down, which it was at 85 minutes, to come away with a 2 all, Wayne Rooney wasn't there because he was unwell. I think that's huge for them. And I can't write them off. You know, 21 points, they should be down and out. We shouldn't even be talking about this. But they're still there. They're still hanging in. And and I admire them a lot. And I really admire the job that Liam Rossini and Wayne Rooney are doing with those players. But they've got a couple of problems because they've got uh, Giacchialka out of contract 17th of January. And they've got Boldock out of contract, I think, as well. And then in summer, 16 players out of contract. So they're doing phenomenally well, considering they don't even have an owner right now, too. Uh, Reading, though, Adrian. Firstly, Junior Hoylet's north of 30 now, so he should be Senior Hoylet at this point. Um, (laughs) But also, Derby-wise, we we kind of thought, as Michelle said, that it was the points deduction that was going to do for them. I wonder if it actually might be Reading's deduction that turns out to be more significant, because that's a team that they're looking to reel in. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's um, they're in the mix, definitely, and they're going to have to improve, aren't they? Goals like the one we saw from Hoylet... Um, will help their cause. That was that was a peach from him, wasn't it? And and in truth, they they haven't had a lot of preparation. Reading, I don't think they had a lot of football lately. Haven't been able to train brilliantly. So you can perhaps forgive them flagging towards the end. That is the third time this season, by the way, that Reading have given up a two goal lead, which is it should happen once a season max. Really, it's happened three times now. Um, talking about contract players, by the way. What about Andy Carroll? He um, obviously great header, almost scored, didn't he? That was that was terrific play from him. He, he's they've got to try and keep him, but I think he um, he's negotiating with his agent at the moment. And the, the issue is, if Andy Carroll does well, other teams will look at him, won't they, and say, "Well, we'll, we'll have you," and you you won't be in the midst of a relegation battle potentially. So, so your Reading need to sort of get a wriggle on on. And get him snapped up, I think, for the rest of the season. But yeah, they're in trouble. No doubt about it. Lastly on this game, Sam, Derby-wise, they've got 20 matches left. How many of those are they going to need to win? 10 minimum to give themselves a chance? No idea, Matt. To answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> a, lo- a lot of them. A lot of them. And thinking back to what Curtis said a few weeks ago, the points aren't very good are they I mean yesterday's in terms of the circumstances behind it it's a it's a brilliant recovery but they need to win games and there will become a time when Wayne Rooney's gonna have to if he's had a handbrake on at all he's gonna have to go for maximum points in every game but um again I think even though he wasn't there tactically making the changes when he did yesterday or if it was Liam Rossini and getting a positive uh, input from not only uh, Kazim Richards, who got the goal, but Morrison and Ebersele as well. I think everything at the moment is working out for Wayne Rooney. Tactically, um, the changes he's making. I thought the two midfield players, Bird and Thompson, were brilliant yesterday uh, during that recovery. So they'll be feeling, in terms of confidence, a lot better than the teams directly above them in the table. The three directly above them, whether they've got enough quality to catch Reading. I doubt. I just think that Reading, when they get the players back, the attacking players that they've missed, and if they can keep hold of John Swift, they've got too many match winners, I believe, to get drawn into a relegation battle. That said, I think the mood at the Medeski is not great at the moment. And if there's going to be a change, 
at the helm of any of those clubs, I would predict it would be Reading right now because I think they've probably turned a little bit against the manager. Yeah, I, I just sort of got the old abacus out, Matt. I think it's normally 50 points, isn't it, that you kind of need. And if, if they're to get there, they need to average pretty much two points a game. And I'll tell you who's averaged two points a game so far this season. No one. Not even Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good luck with that. But but Peterborough and Barnsley, they can definitely finish above them, can't they? It's, it's just, I think it probably is Reading or maybe a Cardiff falling off a cliff or something like that. Uh, elsewhere, if topsy-turvy tickles your fancy, Bristol City-Millwall was the game for you. The Robins ahead early, then behind, only to win it late on as Andreas Feynman's hat-trick proved the difference. Four home wins for Bristol City this season. Sensational stuff. Um, Michelle, it's one of your specialist subjects. Talk about, about managers being backed. It feels like Nigel Pearson's run out of excuses now. You know, He's got all his own staff in, hopefully back to full health. So a big year ahead for him and a club that needs some good news, given they posted a loss of nearly 40 million quid for the last financial year. Oh Yeah, those, those finances aren't good. They're lucky to have Steve Lansdowne as an owner, but I think how long can that go on for? But look, that's a separate long conversation. I can't claim to be a massive specialist subject so much anymore as I don't go down there so much um, as I'm not on Soccer Saturday now. But I think even the fans' patience from what I've read with Nigel Pearson will start to wear a little bit thin if he doesn't start getting some more results. Before the Millwall game, Bristol City conceded six goals after 90 minutes this season. Now, last season, no team conceded more than five which was, I thought, an incredible stat. So when it was 3-2 going into the final moments, I was like, that will finish 3 all. I was, I was sure it would. But, you know, maybe, maybe it's the sort of result they need for a little bit of confidence. Um, I think Nigel Pearson is going to try and do a little bit in this transfer window. When he first took charge, he said he needed four or five windows to sort the squad out. I think they want to offload Casey Palmer. Heard he might be going to QPR potentially. Maybe a, when Elias Chair is at... Um, the Africa Cup of Nations, he could be a good fit, but they want to get him out permanently, not on a loan. Um, Hanno Masengo, talk of him leaving. Jada Silva might go out on loan. So the players he doesn't really fancy, he might try and clear out a few this month, but I don't know what they'll do about bringing someone in. He doesn't, I, I've read before that he's not keen on loans, bringing players in on loan, Nigel Pearson. But if you look at what Forrester bringing in Keenan Davis, West Brom, well, DK's permanent now. But Aaron Connolly going on loan to Borough, I think there's a lot of a lot of luck to be had in the loan market. And maybe <sighs> Nigel Pearson might need to shift in his ways slightly if Bristol City are going to have, I guess, a successful season now would be, what, mid-table for Bristol City? On that, I was just thinking, we didn't touch on it when we were talking about the postponements, but, but which clubs are going to be letting players go in January? What with what's going on and depleted squads as it is, it feels like... Most teams might hang on to the ones they've got. So bringing in loans might be more challenging, I think, this January than before, just just because uh, clubs will want to play it on the safe side, maybe. Sam, a, a word from you, if I may, on, on a couple of those players that Michelle mentions there, Casey Palmer and, and Jay De Silva, players who, who you and I know well from the, the Chelsea youth setup. I remember Ian Wright once saying that De Silva was better than er, any current Premier League left-back when he was in the, the Chelsea youth team. Uh, Casey Palmer, if QPR could get him firing, which has been the question throughout his senior career, that could be that could be a pivotal signing for them, couldn't it? Because if you can get him in the right environment, he's capable of, of absolute devastation. He is, but how many times are we going to say this, I suppose, before 
he stops getting opportunities. There must be something going on, you know, behind the scenes because his ability's never been in question. That said, Mark Warburton, you see what he's done with a Willock, for example. Um, I think they got Willock for 500 grand and he's probably going to go for, I don't know, five or six times that, um, given what he's done in the QPR shirt already this season. So absolutely, I'd, I'd like to see Palmer given an opportunity at Rangers because I know what he's capable of. Um, I think Nigel Pearson, I wouldn't say he makes up his mind very quickly, but I think, you know, he's quite... I think he he makes a decision and he sticks with it. And I think there's quite a few at Bristol City already that are kind of in the bomb squad. I noticed prior to going to the QPR game recently that he had some strong words about Rob Atkinson uh, after that, sorry, before that game. And he, he actually played against QPR uh, and he was left out for for Towler, the, the young boy who came in um, against Millwall. Seven academy graduates started for Bristol City, which... There's an astonishing number, really, in that victory over Mill. And I saw shoots of recovery against um, against QPR. It was a real spirited display. Scott, if um, uh, Michelle and Adrian haven't seen him, Alex Scott, oh, what ability he's got. He was the best player against Rangers. And uh, Semenyo looks to have turned a bit of a corner as well. Great um, work ethic. So a few of those guys are pulling it together, but I agree with Michelle. I mean, mid, if they could finish mid-table, I think Nigel Pearson would would snap your hand off. But it, it definitely looks like there's going to be three or four that he clearly doesn't fancy moving in this January. West Brom won, Cardiff won. There could well have been a penalty at the end of this game. Certainly, the commentators for West Brom thought there ought to have been. It's Carlin Grant, hooks one back to one. I'll tell you what, again. penalty! Oh, come on, Robin Pack seemed to pull back come on the when he was inside the penalty area. Plenty of rancour at the Hawthorns then. More red cards than goals at between the pair. What did you make of the, the Alex Mowat one, Clarky? That's a bad challenge. Yeah, horrible. I think absolutely deserved the red. Um, yeah, really dangerous. There's no no complaints was there from him, really. Uh, he knew he'd overstepped it. The... Um, it was a, it, the ref had a mare, or the officials in general had a bit of a mare, didn't they? Because Ro- Robinson's goal was definitely offside. I've sort of paused it, and you can see that he, he's clearly the wrong side of the defender when the pass comes in from Grant, which is a great pass. It's a lovely finish as well, but but it shouldn't have been allowed. And then they were robbed of a definite pen at the end. That that was that was a shocker of a call or a shocker of a no call from the ref and. But but what Valerian Ismail did is you can't do, can you? Managers can't go on the pitch, and I think although that sort of thing will bond him with the fans because they love it, don't they? Fans love to see their gaffer fighting their corner, getting on the pitch, you know, feeling like they're wronged, standing up for himself. They will love it. It will help his bond, and he is under pressure. So maybe yeah, I'm not saying he did it on purpose, but it will help. But ultimately, that what he did got got his goalkeeper banned because they wouldn't have been a melee and Sam Johnson wouldn't wouldn't have got sent off so I think he has to take a bit of responsibility there especially if if West Brom struggle in the next game what are you saying about that Sam if you're one of his players are you all sniggering behind his back once he's calmed down a bit ah uh, yeah definitely yeah yeah you wouldn't even <laughs> wait until you wouldn't even wait until you're in the dressing room yeah, you'd be, I'd, be, I'd have been laughing my head off um yeah I've not I've not seen good um 
good footage of the the sendings off in terms of um, no. Johnson and, and Flint, isn't it? That got sent off. I haven't seen that, but by all accounts, they were just trying to calm the situation. So I, I think the referees basically had a shocker there. I mean, it's, um, Steve Morrison, if you've not seen it, he's brilliant, actually, Steve. Brilliant, because no manager really says, oh, that was a definite penalty <laughs> yeah. about the opposing side. Why they don't, I've never understood. So loads of credit to him because he just went, well, he's had a stinker, the ref. Like, it's a definite penalty. <laughs> I think um, in his defence, Marlon Pack slips, doesn't he? He's got like a little bit of holding and then he slipped into him. He's kind of got to grab him. He's got nowhere to go. It's like he's going downstairs or something. So um, I've got a little bit of sympathy for him, but it's it's the most blatant penalty I've ever seen. I don't know why it wasn't given. Decent point for Cardiff, Michelle, but it's not on the road that, that they have their problems, is it? It's at home. They've been beaten nine times already, so they've got to sort that out if they're to avoid uh, being one of those teams that Derby are really in. Yeah, I think sometimes it's not the biggest crowd at times at the Cardiff City Stadium. And, you know, when that place gets going, like like many places, it's incredible, but it can be a little bit flat. And if you look at the manner they've lost at home, it's... The last few games that they've played at home, they haven't been like horrendous defeats. It's just been like the odd goal. I think the Sheffield United was 3-2. They had a player sent off. But yeah, it's been a long time since they managed to put any sort of run of form together at home. And that's going to be key for them to, to stay up. But yeah, I, I didn't expect Cardiff coming to this season to be struggling quite as much as, as they are. Um, and when you were talking about who might catch or who Derby might be looking to catch, who they might be eyeing up. At the moment, I would say it's Cardiff City rather than Reading because Reading, well, they've played one game less. But yeah, if they can't sort out their home form, it's just a bit of a disaster. Uh, no disasters for QPR. Successive 2-1 away wins for them have put them fifth in the table. They followed up their late success at Bristol City by taking the points away from their trip to St Andrews, uh, a goal of the year contender already from the man who's bang in the middle of the Adrian Clark and Sam Parking Venn diagram, Chris Willock, once of Arsenal, now of QPR. Uh, he's been speaking with Art de Rocher over on The Athletic. Um, Sam, you, you're really fond of, of busting my bubble of optimism when it comes to, to Nottingham Forest. So let me do likewise for you with QPR. <laughs> how are you, you going to get on without Ilias Chair, Seni Diang and Osman Kaikai while they're away at the, uh, the African Cup of Nations? I'm not worried about the uh, the the last two you mentioned there. Although Dieng is amazing, but um, I like Jordan Archer. I've always liked him, so I'm sure he'll be he'll be fine in in the goal. Willock looked like he missed his mate Chair at Bristol City. They were really poor QPR. They did fashion loads of chances when City went down to ten, uh, which was good. So you could say that that winning goal from Barbe maybe was coming, but they didn't play well. And by all accounts, there was just three moments of quality at Birmingham. Uh, Janssen passed up a good opportunity, but they, they scored with their their two other chances. So winning well when not performing is always a good sign. And um, I thought that the weakness was probably in the wide positions. They're starting to get those guys back in terms of Lee Wallace and Adoma's played well the last couple of games. Jimmy Dunn. I'm turning, we've turned my opinion of him around in the last few games. He's been a standout at centre-half. Thought that was a bit of a weakness. Still, my concern is the front players. They've got an abundance of them. Um, but are Dykes, Charlie Austin, Andre Gray, are they going to get enough goals in the absence of chair? And I think Willock, 
needs one of those guys to step up, I, I think, to just alleviate that pressure that will definitely come when Chair's missing. Because those two are the key. Chair and Willock are the key for me. If they can stay injury-free for the season, on form, QPR get in the playoffs. Uh, Adrian, to your point about about low knees and, and how difficult they're going to be able to get in, I know Birmingham have, have brought in Taden Mengi from Man United. And this might be the kind of loan that, that people are going to have to sort of go for. He's played three games this season because of injury. One was in the AFL Trophy, one was for England under-20s and he made a half-hour cameo in the Champions League. For a, for a team that's leaking goals, bringing in a half-fit central defender, maybe not the answer? Well, it could be the answer. Let's give him a chance, but it's, yeah, it's a risk. But what can you do in this situation? They've, they've just lost Dion Sanderson, who's been recalled. They've lost Riley McGree who's been recalled. So this is the problem teams are having at the moment. They're, they're losing their, their lone players and just having to plug the gaps. Now, are they plugging them with better players or are they just plugging them with bodies? And yeah, we'll find out, won't we, over the coming coming weeks, what happens with, with this youngster from from Man United. But yeah, the, the defending for, for Birmingham. I always think of Birmingham being quite solid, really. Not that exciting, but, but strong, you know, strong in terms of their discipline and shape. But... They've been conceding a lot of goals, nine in the three before this game, obviously two in this one as well. So, yeah, they haven't, haven't been able to get it right. And obviously they've got a couple of young players that they're having to use in the forward areas or choosing to use, Jordan James and George Hall. And, and, and again, with young players, you'll get one week they'll be good. Next week they might be off it. You just get a little bit more inconsistency with, with players that are that inexperienced. So, yeah, Birmingham are in a bit of a... Funny state at the moment, aren't they? They, Lucky they've got as many points in the bag as they have because I think they would be looking over their shoulders a little bit like Michelle was saying with Cardiff, especially with Derby flying. So, yeah, they've got to be be careful not to sleepwalk into another relegation battle, Birmingham. But, but yeah, I feel for them that they've lost Sanderson and McGree. I guess Michelle will know more about whether whether Birmingham are going to be in a relegation battle by the end of the month because their last two games in January, home to Barnsley, away to Derby. Yeah, I I just I just found it not surprising, but I felt like maybe it was a little message from Lee Bowyer to say to admit he doesn't know if he has any money to spend on new players um, in the transfer window. I mean, it's January, twenty twenty two. It's now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Dion Sanderson and Riley McGree being re- recalled by their clubs is is a big blow. But those two games at, at the end of the month are absolutely massive. Um, I really like Lee Bowyer, so I, ho- I hope he succeeds there. But if you don't know what you've got to spend, how on earth do you plan? Yeah, uh, Birmingham fans, if they had a New Year's wish, it'd be for new owners. They just they just don't like them, do they? They're, they're not the kind of owners that that seem like the right type to take the club forward. So. Until there's a change there, are they just going to be treading water, Birmingham? It, it kind of feels that way. And I'm with Michelle. I, I rate Lee Bowyer. I think he's decent, but they've got yeah, their ceiling isn't much above where they are at the moment. I don't think. Well, we've been talking a lot about relegation. Let's get some odds on that and the promotion markets, courtesy of Paddy Power here, represented by producer Abby. 
So we'll start off with the relegation and uh, you can't bet on Derby and Reading still uh, on their relegation. So we'll go with uh, Barnsley, who are the most likely to be relegated according to pay power. They are one to eight to go down uh, and Peterborough are four to six. So uh, we're looking at uh, Cardiff as well. We're looking whether they should be worried. They are 11 to two, which is slightly less likely than Hull, who are 11 to four. Uh, Focusing at the top of the table, though, and outright who's going to win the championship. It is Fulham, according to Paddy Power. They are eight to 13. Uh, I think those games in hand, they must be looking at, given that they are just third in the table. Uh, Bournemouth, five to two. West Brom, nine to one. And Blackburn, 19 to one. Uh, QPR, 45 to one. You never know. Uh, And Nottingham Forest, 500 to one. All right, I'll have a pound on that. It's nice to hear that third has been added to 13 in the um, Scottish break for 2022, by the way. All numbers will be added by the end of the year. Lovely. Right, League One next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. Uh, in League One news, Doncaster have appointed Gary McSheffrey as first team manager, Frank Sinclair's his assistant. Uh, in classic give-it-to-the-caretaker fashion, Rovers chucked away a three-goal lead against Morecambe in the duo's first game in charge on a permanent basis. More on that imminently. Elsewhere, Dion Charles has joined Bolton after being frozen out at Accrington. He hasn't played since October. Wanderers have also added Fulham defender Marlon Fossey on loan. Uh, while Louis Barry has been recalled from his loan at Ipswich by Aston Villa. New year, new manager, same Doncaster Rovers then. After half an hour, they were 3-0 up at fellow strugglers Morecambe, but four second-half goals from the Shrimps gave them a thrilling win. Clarkey, as a veteran of lower and non-league football, you, like me, would have enjoyed the scruffiness of, what, six of the seven goals here? Yeah, you've got to love a scramble, haven't you? One of them was was just like a pinball machine, wasn't it? It was crazy. Um, yeah, it was yeah typically scrappy, but a really exciting game. F- You've got to feel for the Doncaster fans who must have been cock a hoop at, at half time, but at least they did get a good view of of all the goals. All seven, of course, came at came at their end. So yeah, it was a, it was a cracking game. Um, not not a good start for McSheffrey, is it? As, as the permanent boss throwing away a three nil lead. Um, what he did in this game, by the way, and he's clearly a, a bright lad. You know, good coach. He was a, he was an excellent player back in the day. But but he'll he'll live and learn from some of the mistakes. And what he did in this game, he rushed back a couple of players, Omar Bogle and Dan Gardner, who'd been out injured, um, and they were good. 
until they got injured quite early on in the match. So both had to had to come off. And I think that definitely played a, a part in what happened in the second half. So yeah, in the future, he might be a little bit more reticent to, to throw players straight back in as soon as they're fit enough to train. So, um, so yeah, a bit of a blow. I noticed that for stats lovers out there, pass accuracy, okay, it should be 70% really, between 70 and 80 is probably the norm. They had 45% pass accuracy, Doncaster, in this game, which which tells you that they gave the ball away more often than they actually kept it, which um, is not good. Um, and it obviously tells you that they were hitting and hoping a little bit. And I think that was what was happening in the second half. They couldn't get out of their own half. The forwards weren't offering enough in terms of hold-up play, and it was incessant pressure from Morecambe. And, and they caved at the end of it. Um, very disappointing from their end. Sam, what do you make of, of the McSheffrey appointment? They're, they're six points from safety and they've gone for a, a rookie gaffer. To me, that, that sounds risky. A bit surprised, yeah. That said, I know Gary, so uh, we have to be careful. And obviously, I know Frank as well, very well. And I'm, I'm pleased for the pair of them. Probably more so Frank, because Frank Sinclair, because he's he's coached at all, all levels, really. You know, really far down the ladder. So it's great to see him get an opportunity. And likewise, Gary McSheffrey, he's obviously been retired, I don't know, five or six years now, um, been working with with younger players. Um, so it's a, it's a great opportunity. I just think you haven't really got the tools there at the moment. I thought Richie Wellens had a tough job. They need to bring three or four in, whether they'll be able to do that, because how many players are going to want to join a team that are so desperate for points? You're going to be relying on loanees maybe, uh, but hopefully he can he can have a good start and give them give them a chance of staying up. I did find a, a little stat out of the Clarky Mould. Well, it's not so much a stat. It's just the weirdest thing I've ever read uh, this morning. Chesterfield, Gary McSheffrey was playing for Chesterfield. Uh, he scored. Uh, they were 3-0 up against Morecambe in 2013, October, uh, and they lost 4-3. So um, that's happened to him twice, Gary McSheffrey, <laughs> once as a player and uh, now once as a, as a gaffer. But... Yeah, it was an amazing game. And that first goal, Aidan Barlow, I think it was, that scored. Yeah, for, for Doncaster. That scramble just reminded me, when I used to kick about with my mates, we used to create scrambles on purpose. You know, like <laughs> people diving down and the keeper would parry it and then someone would jump on him. We loved the scramble. And it reminded me of that yesterday. <laughs> um, Michelle, you get the obligatory Cole Stockton question two goals here is he's first in the league in open play since he got that unbelievable goal that somehow didn't win goal of the month in league one uh, away at Fleetwood is it as simple as keep him this month and they'll stay up yeah I, I've got here uh, 15 goals in 22 league games which is pretty prolific but he's 27 now I don't know who's been most strongly linked I saw Bolton about a month ago were linked with him but would he go there I don't know but you know, it's a short career, isn't it? And he's 27 already. As much as Morecambe fans won't want to hear that, if he gets a lucrative offer from somewhere else, is his head going to be turned? What does that do to him on the pitch? So we're probably going to be talking about Cole Stockton all month until he stays or leaves, I think. Tell you what puts Morecambe in a really good place is Abika coming back, Matt. Um, loads of ability, John Abika just can't stay fit. But to take a bit of pressure off Cole Stockton, I, th I think it's got more or less half... Morecambe's goals this season that that puts them in a really healthy spot and with Ayunga as well who 
I really like the look of at Bristol Rovers. Doesn't get enough goals, but he's a really capable forward. So that's three. I'm not suggesting they can start games with those three because that is incredibly attacking. But he's got lovely options, uh, Steve Robinson, moving forward if Carl Stockton stays or goes. And now then, after a surprise defeat at Accrington on Boxing Day ended their 21-match unbeaten run, Rotherham got back to winning ways by besting Bolton. It means Paul's peeps are a point clear at the top of the table. Uh, Adrian, if I dip into my big book of football cliches under the letter R, I find response. The things promotion-bound teams do after a defeat. <laughs> Correct. And and Rotherham ticked that box, didn't they? Nicely. It was the goals as well were, were, were just trademark Rotherham, weren't they? Wing backs going around the outside, delivering, hanging one up towards the far post, and um, old Smudger, Michael Smith, Smudger, well, with the Alan Shearer celebration, which every time he scores, I just think he just looks more and more like Shearer. He's, he's absolutely nailed that that hand in the air motion, and um, yeah, that it, it's just a, a link up that works. I was looking at some of the stats, and um, Freddie Ladapo has the highest XG. Per 90 in League One. Um, he's obviously back up really to Smith, who's third in terms of the highest XG. And then you look at the creators, who's got the most chances created per 90? Well, Ogbene, the right wing back, is second. And Shane Ferguson, the left wing back, is fourth. So you've got two great creators on the flanks. You've got two strikers that love snaffling goals inside the six yard box. It's it's a recipe for success. And that's not, you know, that's ignoring a lot of good players that they've got. In between Rotherham, I think they're bound to win the title. I, I, I think they're the, the strongest team. Well, okay, not bound to win the title. I think they're bound to be top two. I can't see them. I can't see them missing out. Hey, Clarkie, get back on soccer stats for me this afternoon. Rotherham had forty-five crosses. Shane Ferguson had nine. <laughs> had nineteen. Nineteen. Can you find wow. me someone that's had more in the division? No, this wow, season for I, next I week? doubt it. That is that's incredible. Lot, right? I, that is that is ridiculous. I uh, Paul Fairclough when I was at Stevenage used to hand out notes. I mean, he's very uh, a bit marmite. Is Cluffy? Um, he used to hand out notes to players, like on the sly in the dressing room, handwritten notes. Nasty Nick, come here, come here, son, come <laughs> here, like that, come here, and he'd slip a little note into your thing. And sometimes I was a winger, you're like six crosses by half time or something like that like a challenge he'd always say he'd always set you a little challenge and but 90 if anyone had ever come to me and said you need 19 crosses today I'd have, I'd have I'm on corners free kicks get out <laughs> so Rotherham top they've got a nice run of games coming up as well Fleetwood Cheltenham crew Doncaster uh, their next few Bolton though Michelle are they are they in a relegation battle four points above that dotted line at the moment yeah, I mean, four points above the dotted line doesn't doesn't look good, but they're one of the most self-believing managers in the whole of the EFL and Ian Everett. So I just, I don't know, if he can expel some of that belief to some of his players, then then I think they'll be all right. I mean, they've done a little business, a bit of business already, haven't they? They've got Marlon Fossey on loan from Fulham. Um, Javier Amit, am I saying this right? Amici's? He's come from Hamburg. I don't know much about him, but we know about Dion Charles and um, he's signed as well. And apparently the spending, looking at the local paper, is set to continue. He said he's spotted a few potential bargains that could be within budget. So it might depend on that. It's just such a busy schedule for them all as well, isn't it? They've got the Papa John's this week. Tonight, they're playing again. So I guess where are you going to start prioritising? If you get worried about your league status, then you might need to rotate a little bit more and tap into the transfer market, which he already is doing. But 
I think they'll be okay. I was my husband's really good friends with a Bolton fan, and he said some fans have already been saying that they don't want Ian Everett to continue, but they've sort of forgotten what he's done. So I think I think in the main um, they're fairly happy on the ground. What do we make of this Owen Doyle business? I don't know if you've heard, but it, it sounds like he might be heading back to Irish football. Obviously, he is Irish. And that Bolton aren't necessarily going to stand in his way. Now, they didn't stand in Sarsevich's way a few months ago, did they, when he went into non-league? That's that's two of their sort of senior players, star players, that they're just happy to let go. It's a bit, I don't know how. What, what do we think of that? Did he say he would stand in his way, is what I saw, if he wanted to leave? But I haven't seen yeah. anything more on it since, since that. They but, always say um, that, Michelle. They do right. stand in your way then. Uh, 11 yeah, times literally. that was said to me. <laughs> <laughs> we won't stand in your way. We'll open the door yeah. and order yeah, you a taxi. we will order you an Uber. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think... I don't, it's it's he just some... wants younger players? Is that what it is? Cheap, yeah. Younger, cheaper players? Wages, I, think, yeah. I think so. I think a bit more mobility maybe to go and close the opposition at the front. It hasn't felt like that's been a marriage made in heaven this season. I know he did brilliantly to fire the goals to get them, get them out of League Two. But I think the eight goals this year has kind of blurred it a little bit. I'm not sure everyone's been having him Owen Doyle. So it may suit all parties. And with um, Charles coming in, you're getting a similar type of player, younger, uh, probably a bit more mobile. And Michelle mentioned Cole Stockton. If they could do those two and allow him to go back to Ireland, if that's where he wants to play out his um, last few years, it, it fits everyone, doesn't it? It suits everyone. Interesting. Uh, Abby, can you give us some League One odds from Paddy Power, please? I can indeed. Uh, I'm afraid Bolton are not being seen by Paddy Power as relegation uh, potential. They are 13 to 1 to go down uh, way, way, way at the back of the field. There are four teams who are uh, odds on to be relegated. They are Doncaster, Crew, Gillingham, and Morecambe, which is probably not a surprise to hear. So we'll head up to uh, the outright betting again. And uh, well, Clarkey did say, you know, that Rotherham were bound to win when he sort of stepped away from that. They are evens. <laughs> to, to uh, win League One. Uh, Sunderland are second favourites, 13-5. to five. Wigan, 10-3. to three. And Wickham, 13-1. to one. So I can give you all your 13s. She's just Lucky mocking, for us. mocking us now. <laughs> <laughs> right, League Two next. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. In League Two, not much has changed in the table since last we spoke, mainly because there's hardly been any games. But Sutton are into the top three. Uh, Oldham have played the most matches with 24, but they're still bottom of the league. Jimmy Ball is in at Stevenage as the new first team coach under Paul Tisdale. You might remember he helped Forest Green Rovers in the playoffs last season. And on the 29th of December, just two of the 10 League Two fixtures were able to take place. They both finished 0-0. But if it's goals that you like, then you can ignore that last point because we're going to talk about two games which had 13 of them in total, starting at the county ground where Swindon beat second place Northampton 5-2 thanks to Harry McCurdy getting four goals. I'll ask you about him as a striker soon, Sam, but we're going to Instagram for our post of the week this time round. Uh, I'd like your opinion on this, please. Good morning, 3Gs on morning, to everyone but Lukaku, celebration emoji. What a brilliant day yesterday was, green gun emoji. No better way to start the year, hearts for eyes emoji. See you all on Friday night, squirrel emoji. Can you decode that for me? Can't do that, mate, but it's uh, it's tremendous stuff. That's, that's what I've been crying out for. And I've got someone at my um, my one of my favourite places in the world producing like that. Not only the goals, but the... Uh, the tweets to follow as well. Now, he's, he's an amazing character. 
and I think he's probably had to be managed quite closely at previous clubs, but I think this was probably always liable to happen because he's got amazing ability. So the Swindon fans are very lucky to be to be seeing it coming out right now. There's probably going to be a few misdemeanors along the way. There'll probably be a few missed training sessions and and such like, and a few dire performances. But um, he, he's playing brilliantly at the moment, and uh, he, he's doing wonderfully well, and he's producing some good stuff off the pitch as well. So yeah, the game needs more characters like him going very eighties. Abby tells me that his favourite film is is Toy Story. I don't think Swindon expect him to, to take them to infinity and beyond. League One would be good enough. Um, three points between them and Northampton at the moment, Clarkie. Who's more likely to go up? Oh, uh, I think Swindon. I like Swindon better, with all due respect. I just like the way that they play the football. Really good passing team. They, they create so many chances. They've got characters. I've always liked Jack Payne, who plays in behind um, Harry McCurdy there as well. Ben Garner's story is a really good one. Obviously, from where the club were as well last summer, didn't really have a squad, didn't really have a team. I think it'd be a, an amazing tale, really, if they were to, to go up. Northampton have, have punched above my expectations of them under under John Brady. Yeah, they were they were schooled a bit here, but reading between the lines, they didn't train properly as a group from December the 11th all the way until New Year. So that's got to have an impact, doesn't it? I think all the coaching staff have had COVID at one point or another, a lot of the players as well. So I think you give them a pass on this one. Uh, Defensively, they've been excellent this season. They just were probably just a little bit rusty here. But yeah, I think Swindon, if if Swindon can sort out their home form, which which they did here finally, then, then they should... They should go top three because their away form is magnificent. Yeah, Clarkie's hit on something there. Swindon had only scored 10 in their last 10 home games and Northampton had only conceded 17 in their previous 21. So I think there was maybe mitigating circumstances, although the two Swindon frontmen were amazing. And you asked me about his striking, Matt. I mean, McCurdy's not a striker. He just goes wherever he wants. He's He's a number 10. He can play wide. He had 50 touches in this game. Rose, the Northampton centre-forward, had 22. And Tyrese Simpson, um, McCurdy's partner, had 21. So it just shows you he's heavily involved in all aspects of the game. Busy, isn't he? Uh, he's so busy. Michelle, Adrian mentioned Northampton having their last three games postponed before this one. I feel like we're kind of bending this to suit our own narrative because some teams we go, oh, you can tell the benefit they've had of not playing for a while. It's really refreshed them. And for others, you go, oh, they haven't trained together. That's why they got beaten here. I think that's, we were talking about this yesterday. You can say, oh, they're fresh and they're ready, but, you know, how, we were saying, what do you get over, over summer? If you're a team that makes the playoffs, you get, what, three, four weeks off? I mean, some of these, some of these clubs and teams are having three weeks off in the middle of December. And then you're coming back expecting them to be match sharp and match fit. And I'm sure they've had, you know, inter-squad friendlies and things at the training ground, but it's not the same. So, yeah, in this case, if you want to, if you want to take it to suit the narrative of they're not sharp, then it ticked those boxes because before that, the last thing they would have wanted was a long break. I think they were unbeaten in four or five and they'd won uh, four on the bounce. So, yeah, the last thing they wanted was was a gap. But I guess they have the games in hands now. But in League in League One, um, sorry, in League Two, hardly any of the teams have have played what they should have by now so it's not that much of an advantage is it 
Uh, finally, let's go to Walsall, a game that was neatly summed up by their social media account as football, eh? Question mark. Uh, 95 minutes on the clock, 3-2 down, goalie comes up for a corner. He doesn't get involved, but... Wilkinson, look at that! Oh, look at that! Absolutely amazing! Well, sadly, this is a podcast. You can't look at that. So let's talk about it because Warsaw 3, Newport 3 was quite a game. Connor Wilkinson scoring a phenomenal goal at the end. Warsaw hadn't played since the 11th of December. Newport since the 18th. Um, Adrian, probably the Wilkinson goal was the best one, but the Newport own goal from Matthew Dolan was my favourite. <laughs> it's a peach, wasn't it? Well, they're two really good own goals. Strong contenders for sort of mishaps of the the season so far. So it had everything, didn't it, this? I really, really enjoyed watching the highlights of it. Um, I also enjoyed that, well, obviously the quality of Connor Wilkinson's winner was just stunning, wasn't it? The, the sort of couple of flicky ups and then and lashed it in on the volley. But then he said, he said, I ran into the crowd and he said, I think I had a pint of Stella put over my head as oh, I went into the no. crowd. It just sort of sums up the carnage, really. It was... It Top taste buds, everywhere. though, if he can identify the brand of lager from the bit that drips into his mouth. <laughs> that is impressive. That is, that is. I don't think I could do that. But yeah, no, it was yeah contender, wasn't it, for one of the League Two games of the season. Yeah, glorious stuff. Michelle, my concern for Newport, and I can't pretend I'm overly concerned about much to do with Newport, but I'm looking at the table. I'm seeing they haven't kept a clean sheet in their last 10 games and they've conceded the most goals of any team in the top half. They, they need to tighten up a little bit if they're going to cling on to the final playoff place, which they currently occupy. Yeah, conceded three against Warsaw, three in the game, well, a few weeks before that because of experiments against Rochdale. And then you, I think you have to go back to the 30th of October for the last time they kept a clean sheet, which was when they thrashed Stevenage 5-0. So, yeah, I just think James Rober is a little bit concerned. Super, super tight in League Two for that playoff spot. If they're going to yeah keep conceding, their goal difference is going to take a pounding. And who knows, it might come down to something like that at the end of the season. So wouldn't expect them to do huge amounts in the January transfer window, but they want to be tightening things up a little bit to concede six goals in two games is, is not a good reading. Do you know what might be the problem? Height. It's it's sometimes uh, you know not really spoken about that often, but they're quite a small team now, especially in midfield. They've got lots of little ball players, and the Newport that we all sort of, you know, the style we associate with Newport is big and strong, really good at set pieces, both ends of the pitch, got big units, and I, I just feel maybe the direction, you know, the deliberate change of direction that they're taking under the new gaffer, the one thing that one area that's maybe suffered is the way that they can defend crosses coming into their box. So, um, yeah, just something for them to work on. They're still a really good team. Abby, what are the promotion and relegation markets looking like in League Two just now? Yeah, I'll go through the promotion really quickly. Uh, Forest, very, very odds on to be promoted. They're 1 to 18. Forest, um, we're not in League Two. Steady on. Forest Green, sorry. Um, but you should know, you should know. Uh, Northampton are seven to five, Portville eight to five, Swindon nine to five, Sutton twelve to five, and extra thirteen to five to be promoted and in relegation. It's not Oldham who are the most likely to go down. It's Scunthorpe. They are one to two. Oldham though are four to seven, and uh, Colchester four to one. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. 
All right, before we go, New Year's resolutions for EFL folk, please. Michelle, what have you got for me? I just, honestly, just don't have any. But I saw, I saw the plan. And I, was, I know, I saw it for But I see this. What's the point? Because we're, we're January the 4th. And I guarantee most people have broken them already. I've seen Abby's just sat back in a chair like, oh, quite like that. What's, what is the point? You know, it, we're still like the same as we were on the 31st of December. I can't get in. That's not like a right scrooge. I'm not into New Year's Eve. Not into New Year. I'm still the same person I was four days ago. Sorry, guys. That's not what you wanted to hear, is it? Come on, hit me with some inspiration. <laughs> it, it's weird given that you're so Christmas focused. I thought that would extend to the whole yeah, you, you, holiday yeah, period. I wear a Christmas, Christmas jumper every day in December. But apart from that, I guess my New Year's resolution is not to wear a Christmas jumper in January. And that is the one I can stick to. Okay. Um, Clarky, I've picked for Forrest, don't sack the manager. Have you got any advice oh, you on meant, that? Did you, mean, did you mean EFL? It can be you. It's a personal thing. It can be <laughs> you. It can be EFL. It can be whatever you like. Um, I've I, got loads. I'd like to. I'd like to eat You've fewer biscuits. Um, go on then, Clarky, take it away. <laughs> I've got loads. You can steal any of mine. Um, for, for Blackburn and QPR, their New Year's resolution should be buy, don't sell. You're in a great position. Don't don't sell off those prize assets. Buy, buy some newbies. Uh, for Bristol Rovers, they should pledge to keep their discipline better. Worst red card record in the EFL. Seven red cards this season. They've gone down to nine men twice. So they should pledge to, um, to to behave themselves. But my personal one, and and it's not for me, it's it's for local websites. Please, oh, please, yes. can you make it your New Year resolution to cut the ads say. and the cookies? They are. <laughs> they make those websites unusable. It is. I don't want notifications from the Shropshire Gazette. I never will. <laughs> It is it is unreadable content on there. Please cut the ads, cut the cookies. Please let that be your New Year resolution. It's not going to happen. But I tell you what, so many people must be turned off of of reading those websites. They are horrendous. And um, please stop it. Most sensible thing you've said all seasons, Clark. Well <laughs> Fill in this short survey to carry on oh. reading about Bristol Rovers reserve left back. It's just not worth it. Um, Sam, <laughs> stop me ranting. I've got um, the the bloke or the um, the woman in charge of the uh, PA system at all grounds in the EFL. Two points deduction for your side if you play Sweet Caroline or anything by oh, Neil Diamond. Yeah. Anything by Neil Diamond. That. Because I don't even know who he is. Yeah, I was in I was in Portugal <laughs> one summer, and every single person seemed to be singing a Neil Diamond karaoke song. And me and my mates were just looking at each other, going, "Was he not allowed in Southwest London, or were they not allowed to play songs when we were growing up? Who is he?" Um, two point deduction for anyone doing that. And the other one, this is proper Victor Meldrew. You know when the ball rolls off the pitch and the team's in the ascendancy, and the opposing gaffer lets it run under his foot or chucks it away. Like, what, what are you doing? I want them yellow carded or something like that. The other day, I won't say the club, I saw a member of the St. John's Ambulance kick it away when QPR, <laughs> I've given it away. When QPR in the ascendancy, I've seen a bloke, I think it was from the St. John's Ambulance, dummy it or kick the ball away. Oh, come on. Love that. It used to come infuriate on, me. These are rule changes. I, I, want, I want one player from the opposition in the opposing technical area. 
so they can just be on their toes and have like a fight you know, <laughs> with the opposing manager and get it back into play. We'll keep an eye on that throughout the rest of the season. Um, that'll do us for today, though. Many thanks to Michelle, to Adrian, to Sam, to Abby, and to you for listening. We'll be back on Thursday when we'll be previewing something, although it's the FA Cup third round, so who knows what it will be. Do join us, though, from all of us here for now. It's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic.